Good morning, Imaginations Church. Uh, I hope you've had a great week, uh, and that might be a funny thing to say in light of everything going on, but I still believe we can have great weeks, great days. Uh, you know, we've been in a series for the last several weeks. We're calling this series Valleys, and today I want to talk about uh, another valley. And Now, I'm calling this the Valley of Retreat. Because I feel as though that uh, that's what the enemy is really after. He wants the church to draw back. He wants the church to pull away, to lose heart. And so this morning, I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to read some scriptures. We're going to be looking in Jeremiah chapter 28. I'm going to be making reference and reading a few verses out of Jeremiah 28. And then I'm going to go into 29. So you might want to maybe uh, get your... Bible out, or maybe get a, something you can look at there and follow along a little bit. But, you know, he, here's a, a phrase that I hear a lot, and I'm hearing it even come out of my mouth a lot, and that's, man, I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of being in this place. I'm just tired of the whole thing. And, you know, I, I am. But the, the thing is, is I also know this, that God is in the midst of our lives. He's in the midst of our world. He's not abandoned us. He's not left us. And so today, I want to uh, just start here in Jeremiah 28. And let me just give a little backstory first. Uh, you know, Jeremiah was a, was a prophet uh, that, that God used in an amazing way, like many other prophets. And then there were others that maybe God did use them. I don't even really know, but there was a specific guy named Hananiah. And you can read about him here in Jeremiah 28. And he saw himself in, in a position, in a place of, of having a prophecy and a word from God telling the people that the condition that they were in. Now, let me tell you about the condition. God had already sent the exile. They had exiled a lot of the children of Israel. They'd taken a, a lot of people into Babylon, and they were living in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, you know, people were asking the question, the question that you and I have been asking, whether we've been asking it openly or in our heart. And that's this. When is this going to be over? How long is this going to last? But, but the Lord had already spoken through Jeremiah and the Lord had already laid out his, his uh, word concerning what was going on. And that was it was going to be 70 years. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be 70 years. I'm just saying that God had already made a, 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 a plan or, or laid it out what it was going to be like. But Hananiah, this prophet, comes along and basically, let me pick this up here in uh, verse 2. Uh, it says that Hananiah begin, comes and he wants to, he says he has a word from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, uh, the God of Israel says, I will remove the yoke of the king of Babylon from your necks. Within two years, you will be back uh, in the temple. Uh, you will be back. Uh, all the temple treasures that King Nebuchadnezzar carried off to Babylon will be back as well. And I will bring back uh, Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, and all the captives that went were taken into Babylon. And surely I will break the yoke that the king of Babylon has put on your necks I, the Lord, have spoken it. Now, he's saying, this is what the Lord, this, thus saith the Lord. We hear that a lot. Thus saith the Lord. And, you know, Jeremiah is there in verse 
the next verse, verse 5, Jeremiah responds to Hananiah. And he says, as he stood in there in front of all the priests and the people uh, in the temple, and Jeremiah says, Amen. Uh, may your prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything uh, that you have said. I hope that he does bring back all those from Babylon and the treasures of the temple uh, and all the captives. But the thing was, Jeremiah felt in his heart that something wasn't right, but he wasn't going to say anything. And so he leaves. He walks away. And actually, before he walks away, he says, but this is how we know when a prophet is right. And he says, whether his prophecy comes true, whether it comes to pass. And so that's kind of the, the place that he left it. And so we'll pick it up here in uh, verse 10. Uh, it says, Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck. Actually, Jeremiah was still there. He takes the yoke off of his neck, and he breaks it. And Hananiah says again to the crowd. See, Hananiah is playing to the crowd right now. And he says, This is what the Lord says, uh, just as this yoke has been broken, within two years I will break the yoke of oppression off of all the, all the nations that are now subject to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. With that, Jeremiah left the temple. And so as, after Jeremiah leaves, and I'll just kind of tell this part of the story, and then we'll pick it up. Jeremiah leaves, and the Lord speaks to him. And he says, I want you to go back in, and I want you to tell him that he's not speaking for me that what he's saying is not true. And tell him that within, within two years that he will be dead. As a matter of fact, he was dead within two months. He told him, uh, basically, you're prophesying lies to the people to get their hopes up. Now, the thing is, I think in our day, in our, where we live right now, there's a mindset and a mentality that, oh, God would never allow something like this to happen. Now, the thing is, is I don't believe God is causing it. But I believe what's happening right now in America and in our life is happening because of evil, because of things that are going on. And here's what I also know. I know that God will go with us through everything that we go through, everything. There's nothing that, that, that he will allow us, his children, to go through if we trust him that he wouldn't go through with us. You know that scripture that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he, for he is with me. And so the thing is, but there's people that would like to stand up and prophesy things away. This isn't going to happen. It's almost like they want to speak and it'll happen. But the Lord had already spoken at this time in this situation. Now, let me just say, I don't know what's going on now. I don't know. I'm not standing here declaring that this is going to last for another week, another day, another month, another year. I don't know. I'm hoping that by next week, I'm going to be able to put out a post and say, hey, everything's great. We're back in church. Well, let's get on with life. But I don't know. But I do know this. I know that wherever we find ourselves, God is with us. But we have to trust him and we have to lean in and let our heart and our ear be, be directed to him, being, being leaning on in to him. And so often what people do is, when, when things start happening that they don't like is they create voices or they go find voices to say what they want to hear. Well, today, I'm just telling you this, that God is with us in the midst of everything that we're going through. And I'm trusting and believing God that he is leading us not only through this, but out of this situation. Not just the church, but, but our country. 
This is a very, very difficult place that we find ourselves. But I say it again. I know that God is with us. God is absolutely with us. And so Jeremiah tells Hananiah the things that, that the Lord told him, that you know what, you've been prophesying lies, and within two months, Hananiah dies. And so at the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 29, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah, and he begins to give him some direction. So verse 1, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem. See, Jeremiah was not in Babylon. Jeremiah was living in Jerusalem. He was writing to the exiles, to those that were exiled in Babylon. And so it says that he wrote a letter from Jerusalem uh, to the elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And then we'll pick it up here in verse 4. And this is what the letter that Jeremiah wrote said. It says, this is what the Lord God of heaven's armies, the, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Now listen, they're in exile. They're under the hand of an evil king. And this is what the Lord tells them. He says, build houses. He says, and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the fruit that they produce. He says, marry and have children. Then find spouses for them, for your children, so that they may marry and they have grandchildren for you. Then he goes on again, and he says, multiply. And this is the phrase that caught my heart. Don't dwindle away. That's what he says. Don't dwindle away. The Lord told Jeremiah to tell the people that found themselves in a very difficult place, don't dwindle away. Don't lose heart. It's really easy to lose heart when you feel as though you've got a 70-year sentence. Now, I can honestly tell you that I don't think that people in Babylon were aware that it was a 70-year sentence. They didn't know if it was going to last another day, a week, a month. They didn't really know. I'm sure that they'd heard the prophecy. But let's face it, they were really not in a place, a right place, a good place. That's the reason they found themselves in Babylon, because the Lord turned them over, gave them up to the enemies. So God had allowed them to go there. Now, don't, don't think there's a correlation that I'm saying that God has put us in this place but let's face it, here we are. And the question I think a lot of people have is, why are we here? And, and, and I rebuke this in Jesus' name, and, and me too. Me too. But in the midst of this, I think there's a spirit in a, and, a, and an attitude and, a, and a, a concern in me, a, a spirit in, in us that, that basically, you know, how long can we do this? We can do whatever we need to do as long as we have to do it because God is with us, because God is an ever-present help in a time of need. And if we ever needed God, and we always need him, but we need him now in a real way. He goes on, he says, don't dwindle away. And he says, and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have exiled you. Where I have sent you into exile, pray for the peace and the prosperity of that place. And then he says, pray the Lord for that. Pray to the Lord for that city. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Now, get the picture. They're sitting in a, in a, a place that they didn't want to be. And 
and God is telling them, this is how I want you to live in this situation that you find yourself in, that you would vote no. No, I vote we leave. They didn't have that option. They found themselves in a place that they did not want to be. Now, I'll say it again. I am not saying that God has put us here in this place with this whole COVID thing. And there's all kinds of stories and ideas and thought processes. I know that. I have some of my own. But here's the truth. Whether it's something that we just, it's a season, or whether it's a, uh, a long season or a short season, I don't know. But here's what I do know. God is with us. When the children of Israel were in Egypt, and, and they found themselves, eventually they were given the land of Goshen. And when the Lord finally said he was going to set them free, he began to, to create situations because the Pharaoh would not let the children of Israel go. And he, he sends plagues. He sends all lice and, and flies and frogs and all these things. He sends, you know, uh, the waters turned to blood and all this. But let me say this. In, in, in Goshen, in the land of Goshen, it was a bright, sunshiny day. There was no problem in the land of Goshen because God's covering was on them. I believe in many ways that we can depend and trust on God to keep us and to protect us where we are. But here's what I believe he wants us to do. He wants us to live and flourish where we are because we can. He does not want us to dwindle away. He does not want us to retreat, to give up, to lose heart, and to move back. And then he goes on. And see, there's a verse here that we are very familiar with. We love this verse that's coming up, but let's see where it sets in this story. So I've just read all this. I pray the Lord uh, for, for the welfare of the city. It will determine your welfare. And he says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel says. Uh, Do not let the prophets and the fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Uh, do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. Now, I don't know who those people were. I don't know. But here's what I do know. God is saying, I am with you. And when people want to cast off God and say, well, God has abandoned us. Oh, this is, don't believe any of that. God is with us in the midst of this. He says, I have not sent these, says the Lord. And then he goes on. He says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, he tells them. I think probably some hearts dropped when they read that. You will be there for 70 years, he says. But then I will come and I will do all the good things that I have promised and I will bring you home again. And then this is the verse that we love. And I love it. And it's, I believe it's a true verse. I believe it's a, an accurate verse. But if we see where it's setting, we'll understand it maybe a little bit more. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He says, I will, I will be found by you. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you from out, out from among the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own homeland. Here's the thing. I don't like what's going on. I don't. And I'm not going to stand here and act as though it's not a big deal. It's a big deal where we are. But I believe to go back and to see what the Lord 
told these people what he wanted, how they wanted them to live. I want you to marry. I want you to, to produce. I want you to increase. I don't want you to dwindle away. I don't want you to lose heart. Well, how do we do that? We have to keep our heart engaged with God. I read an article yesterday, and uh, it was a Barna article that came out and and i i don't know you know it's it's maybe it might be one of these voices that he's talking about don't believe the voices but in this article it made the statement it said that one out of three church-going christians in this last season has decided not to go back anymore now how do they know that i don't really know probably because they are not even paying any attention to the online services of their church and then it gives some other statistics that others have are changing churches and whatever. God knows we are God's people and he will put us where he wants us. But one thing is for sure, the enemy wants us to lose our grip. He wants us to lose our faith and lose our heart in the midst of this situation. Let me read another verse out of, this is Luke chapter 22. And this story is set in the place where uh, the, the, it was, we, we call the Last Supper. It's what we call the Last Supper. And, and the disciples are sitting around Jesus. And he's, in, he's uh, implementing the new covenant. He's, he says, this is the, the new covenant in, in my blood. This is the broken body, which is broken for you. This is the, uh, the, the juice, the, the, the wine, which is the, enacts and sets into place the new covenant. This is, we remember that story. He gets up and he washes the disciples' feet. But during that time, he looks over at Peter. And this is what he says. He says, Simon, Simon. Or maybe he said, Simon, Simon. Or maybe he says, Simon, Simon. He wanted to get Simon's attention. He wanted Simon to focus and pay attention to what he was getting ready to say. He says, Satan has asked to sift you, to sift each of you like wheat. My heart would go, what? He says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen the brothers. Jesus says, Simon, Satan has requested to sift you all like wheat. But then he says, but I've prayed for them. No, Peter, I prayed for you. Why? I don't really know all the ins and outs. We have all kinds of ideas about Peter, that Peter was... Maybe, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just ambitious or maybe he was, I don't really know. But Jesus was speaking right to his heart because he knew Peter was getting ready to go through something. And it wasn't like, but I prayed for you, Peter, and it's not going to happen. Oh, no, Peter, you're all going to be sifted. You're all going to go through some hard times in the right near future. It's coming. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. Let me say this. The devil doesn't care whether you're healthy or whether you're sick. He doesn't care. He doesn't care whether you're rich or poor. He doesn't care whether your marriage is thriving or whether it's a mess. He doesn't really care. What he wants is your faith. That's what Jesus told Peter. He said, Peter, I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith would not fail. The devil's after our faith, church. And if he can put us in a place of difficult circumstances and difficult conditions, and we find ourselves in a place where the word of God becomes less important, where staying connected, even though it's hard, we just think it's something, well, you know, when things go back to normal, whatever that is, then I'll 
get back to normal. God cares about His church. He cares about our faith. The Bible tells us in, in Hebrews 6 or 11 verse 6, He says that faith is the victory that overcomes. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then he goes on and he does say that faith is the victory in 1 John. The victory. So we might end our race and feel that if we're not careful, we might think that we can end our race and have no connections and have no spiritual life, but that's not what God wants. God wants us to not dwindle away. He does not want us to retreat. He does not want us to lose heart and back off. And the only way we can do that is we have to stay connected. We've got to stay connected to Him and do the best we can to stay connected to the people around us, to the church around us. And then there's one last verse I want to make mention of, and this is 3 John, verse 2. There's only uh, just a few verses in 3 John, but, this, but the, the second verse says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I pray that you would prosper and be in health. His, his desire is that, that all these believers that were scattered all over the, the, the known word, world at that time were prosper. He was writing letters just like what Jeremiah did. Because Jeremiah couldn't be there, because John couldn't be there, John was writing letters that were being distributed. And this is what he said, Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, you know, that's a nice little prayer or a nice big prayer, whatever. But what does it mean? Well, let's stop and just kind of go over this for just a minute or two. What is our soul? Our soul determines the condition of whether we flourish or not, our soul. The devil doesn't care whether you live or die. He doesn't care whether you're healthy or poor. He doesn't care whether you're uh, happily married or miserably divorced. He doesn't care whether your family's good or bad. He wants your faith. The condition of our soul is going to be determined by the condition of our faith. Be now, let me say this. What is our soul? Our, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind... It's the way we think. If the way we're thinking right now in the midst of this time is, I don't know if I can take anymore. I don't really know, uh, you know, if God really loves me. It, you know what? Here's what we have to do. We've got to go back to what the Word of God says. The Word of God tells us that God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's a God that is the author and the finisher of our faith. He started a work in us, and He's faithful to complete it. And so we've got to control our, our mind, our thoughts. And we've got to take those thoughts that are not God and pull them down. We've got to take the thoughts from the Word of God and fill our minds. Renew our minds, as it tells us in Romans 12. And so uh, our mind, number one, is, it's, a, it's, a part, it's how we're thinking. That's a part of our soul. And then our will. It's the decisions that we're making right now. Oh, I'm just deciding that I'm not going to pray. I'm deciding I'm not going to stay in the world. Well, you know, I can read the Bible later. What, what good is it now? I'm here. I'm binge-watching Netflix. I don't have time to read. We may not say it. We're not, we may not say those things, but the thing is, is there are things that want to crowd out our spiritual growth and our spiritual life, our mind, our will, the things that we're deciding to do because we know that the day is going to come when we're going to move forward out of this place. And when we do, are we going to come out better, bitter, or broken? What are we going to come out as? 
I want us to come out better. I want us to come out whole and strong and having grown. And then the last one is emotions. So our mind, the way we think, our will, the way we're making decisions in this season, and then our emotions, the way we are responding to the things that we're hearing. If, we are re- if we're hearing things, reading things, uh, believing things that are being said to us, and here's the way, are we, are we responding like this? Out of fear? Are we responding like this? Out of anger? Are we responding as someone who's, well, what's the good? Good is it? What, what's the future? Oh, you know, there's no hope. There's no future. That's not what God says. Church, God wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Your soul and your, the, the condition of your life hinges on the condition of your soul. The condition of your future is going to be determined by the condition of your soul. That's what the enemy is after. He wants you to retreat. He wants you to give up. He wants you to lose heart. He wants you to forget about it. But God says he wants us to hang tough. He wants us to press in. He wants us to not lose heart. He wants us to listen, lean in, incline your ear, incline our ear to his voice because he is speaking. Don't dwindle away. That's what the Lord told the people there in Babylon. Don't dwindle away. Peter uh, was told by Jesus, I have pleaded in prayer for you, Peter, that your faith won't fail. I believe he's pleaded in prayer for you and me too. And then, of course, John makes the statement that I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. If you want to know the condition of your life, look at the condition of your soul. What are your thoughts? What are the things, the decisions that you're making? Are you making decisions that honor God and push the kingdom of God forward in your life? And and how about how you're responding to things? Are we responding with anger? With Because, listen, it's really easy to do that. I want to pray for you today because I believe that God has something amazing for us. Let's take these verses and let's let them find a lodging place in our home.